Let's get the word of God. We need this message. This message is very important. Um, God wants us to look at the essential ministry and ministries of the Holy Spirit in our life. He wants us to understand what it means to be um, controlled by the Holy Spirit. He wants us to know what it means to be filled with, baptized in the Holy Spirit. God is still calling churches. He's calling this church to investigate and learn the fundamental elements of the ministry of the Holy Spirit and what that looks like in our daily lives. And we're really going to get into that today. What the infilling of the Holy Spirit, the control of the Holy Spirit, the baptism in the Holy Spirit, how that looks in your life daily. Now, I know some of you are getting a little anxious because you're wanting me to get to all the manifestation parts of the Holy Spirit, and we'll talk about that before this series is over. But let's get the lifestyle down pat. That was a great place for an amen, so I act like I didn't even say that. We all want to talk about the manifestations of the Holy Spirit, but let's get the Holy Spirit lifestyle down pat. Amen? Amen. You can shout all you want to, and you can go as high as you want to, but when you come down, you need to walk holy and walk pure before God. And so we're going to talk about that today, continue our discussion on that. Last week we... um, or not last week, but week before last, we talked about Galatians chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. I'm not going to read that to you, but I do want to review with you what was happening there. Paul, of course, uh, the book of Galatians is a a letter, and Paul is writing a letter to the church at Galatia, and he sees a problem in that church. Can you imagine a church having a problem? He sees a problem in that church, and he writes this letter, and he says to them, guys, Guys, that's the modern version. Guys, you started out in the Spirit, but you have gotten away from your dependence on the Holy Spirit. And he looks at them and says, since you're beginning in the Holy Spirit, do you now assume that you can grow? Do you now assume that you can become like Christ? Do you now assume that you can be perfected? That word means trained or matured. Do you assume that you can be sanctified? That means set apart for service in the kingdom. Do you assume that your ability to live a godly lifestyle can be done apart from the Holy Spirit? He said you started in the Holy Spirit. You need to continue in the Holy Spirit. We talked about what it means to quench the Holy Spirit in 1 Thessalonians 5.19 and what it means to grieve the Holy Spirit in Ephesians 4 and 30. And then, surprising to some, we went all the way back to the Old Testament. And we found Jeremiah and Ezekiel. And uh, these two prophets told about a new covenant that was coming, how God would deal with man in a whole new way. Well, I want to tell you all today, we're living in the new covenant. We're living in the new covenant. Uh, Jeremiah promised it. Ezekiel promised it. Others in the Old Testament promised it. But guys, we don't live in the time of promise. We live in the time of fulfillment. We're living in the new covenant. And what they were saying was that under the Old Testament economy and how God worked then, the law was sort of a pressure on the outside to live right and to love God and to follow God. But he said there's going to come a day when the one who wrote the law will be in you. 
and it will no longer be an outside pressure, but it will be an inward motivation. And that is that coming into you of the power of the Holy Spirit. And we're going to talk about that today. So with that in mind, let's now move to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. And if you have your Bible or your iPad or your Kindle or your phone and you guys want to pretend that you have the Bible on there, go ahead and get that out. Because I see people uh, kind of texting, so I'm assuming they're texting Jesus. Amen. Hey, if he writes you back, I want to know what he said. Amen. All right, Galatians 5, and uh, let's read verses 16 and 18 as Paul kind of now takes that thought of not only beginning in the Spirit, but continuing in the Spirit, um, and how we're to walk that out. As a matter of fact, walk is a key word in the message today, and we're going to look deeply at what that says. Verse 16, Paul says, I say then, walk in the Spirit. Now let's all say those four words together. Walk in the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. We're being commanded here to walk in the Spirit. It is not a suggestion. It is not multiple choice. It is a command from God through the writer Paul to walk in the Spirit. He says, now the result of that is a very good thing for you. The result of walking in the Spirit is that you will not fulfill your human desires. You will not fulfill your carnal or fleshly lusts if you will learn to walk in the Spirit. I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Now when we talk about flesh, and again next week we'll even go deeper into that word and what it means... But when we talk about flesh, we're talking about a nature that we inherited from Adam. When you are saved, when you accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, listen carefully, your acquired sins are forgiven. That means sins you have done, sins you have committed, they are forgiven. But there is also another work that begins in you when you are saved, and it is called the work of sanctification, and that deals not with uh, acquired sin, but inherited sin nature. How many of you understand that when Adam and Eve fell in the Garden of Eden, and what a fantastic demonstration in creative arts did we see today. Did y'all like the trees? Wasn't that just the coolest thing? Some of y'all are going, oh, that was a tree. Yes. And so... And so, Adam, when he sinned, that, that sin nature that he did not have came upon him. And the book of Romans says it was passed down to how many of us? So we're not born perfect, and then we mess up. We're born messed up. Y'all feel good about yourself this morning. Amen. And so, we have to understand that we are born with a nature that is not bent toward good, Hosea tells us, but the prophet Hosea says our nature is bent toward evil. And so in order for us to live righteous in this world, in order for us to overcome the lusts of our flesh, we got to have some outside help. And that outside help is one source. It is God Almighty through the power of the Holy Spirit. Listen to me. You say, I can't live this Christian life. That you are so right about. You cannot live it. 
You must depend on the Holy Spirit. Listen, that was Paul's whole point to the church at Galatia. He said you started out in the Spirit, but now you're trying to live the Christian life in the flesh. He said you need to come back to a full and total dependency on the power of the Holy Spirit. Now listen to me. God is calling this church, the bridge, back to a dependency on the Holy Spirit like we've never depended on him before. And as the day of the Lord approaches... Amen. Like all six of you. As the day of the Lord approaches, we need to depend on him more. All you have to do is go to the writings of, of Paul and go to the writings and the words of Jesus in the Gospels. It talks about what it's going to be like in the last days. I think we're in those days, and I think we need to depend on the Holy Spirit as we never have. This is a call. This sermon is a challenge to you. It is a call to you, it is a call to me that we depend on the Holy Spirit as we never have. Verse 17, for the flesh lusts against the Spirit. Our human nature wars against the Spirit that is in us as Christians. And the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary uh, to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. He says, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. And that talks about that new covenant, how in the Old Testament they were under the law. There was this outward pressure. But now under the new covenant, that pressure that used to be outward is now inside of us. Y'all with me on that? And it's an inward motivation to live right. Now, if you'll look at this passage that I just read, you'll see two basic things. Number one, in verse 16, you see the commandment. The commandment. It is clear. Walk in the Spirit. It is a command. Please understand, it is a command. It is not a command to manipulate you and control you. It is a command that if you will obey it, it will help you walk in the Spirit. Paul is saying to the church, if you will live a daily life, if you will live your daily life in the power of the Holy Spirit, if you will live your daily life, seeking the direction, seeking the leading, seeking the guidance of the Holy Spirit. If you will live your daily life in submission to the power of the Holy Spirit, then you will not fulfill the lusts of your flesh. So clear, it's really that simple. Walk in, live daily in. This is so important. This whole idea of living daily in the Holy Spirit. The result is that you will have victory in your walk with God. You know what I see going on quite often in the church and in the lives of believers? Is they want to see how close they can live to the world but still hold on to Jesus. They want to see how close they can live to the edge of the pit and not fall in the pit. And God is saying, just get away. Get away from all that is ungodly. Get away from all that is impure. Get away from every influence that will try to pull you back in to your old life and submit yourself fully to the Holy Spirit. There are people sitting here under the sound of my voice this morning and you're frustrated 
And the reason you're frustrated is because you're trying to live in two worlds. You need to let go of sin, self, and Satan, and you need to embrace Jesus. We need to quit playing footsie with Jesus and put our arms around him and embrace him. That's good preaching right there, and you ought to be writing it down. Walk, uh, the word walk in this verse is a present tense command. It doesn't mean one day walk or uh, depend on the walk you had. It means walk today. Walk right now. Another problem in the church is we got people who always want to point back to a time. And that's wonderful. There's nothing wrong with remembering. There's nothing wrong with talking about uh, the Spirit of God working in your life at an earlier time and how God dealt with you in an earlier time. But my question to you this morning is, where are you today? Where are you in your walk with God today? Are you as on fire and motivated for him today? Or even, really, you should be more so than when you started out. So it is a present tense command. And it implies a constant, step-by-step, daily progress in him. Now, let me just give you a little illustration. You know, walking, for most people, is not a hard thing to do. Not everybody. We know there are people who struggle physically, but for most people, walking is a relatively easy thing to do. But if you don't walk and keep on walking, you lose your balance. You stumble. See, as long as I'm walking, the cameraman's just loving this, as long as I'm walking, you know, I'm balanced. But if I were to try to stop in my walk, in mid-step, I become imbalanced. And I'm a very athletic person. <laughs> Most of you would be in more trouble than me. So, so if, I try to, if I try to stop in mid-step, then I have to work on balancing. But if I continue to walk, I can easily keep my balance. That's what we're trying to do in our Christian life. We want to stop our walk. That walk in the Holy Spirit is constant. It is constant progress. It is daily moving in the right direction. I hope you got that. Paul is saying here, start walking in the Spirit and keep on walking in the Spirit. Paul is saying as your life as a Christian unfolds, one moment at a time, one day at a time, each step is taken in the power, is to be taken in the power and under the control of, of the Holy Spirit. Again, notice it is a command. The Bible is telling us here that we are to always allow the Holy Spirit to rule our life. We're always to allow the Holy Spirit to govern our life. Now I'm going to get real practical today because I want you to walk away from this service with something you can use before you ever get out of the parking lot. Because one of the reasons we have the parking system we have here is to test your walk with God. Somebody said, you guys need more than one outlet in and out of the, we understand that, but we want to test you the moment you walk out of here and get in your car to really see how much you love Jesus. Some of you aren't doing real well. Walking in the Spirit, day by day. Here's what I want to challenge you to do today. I want to challenge you to set yourself beginning this morning, 
And I'm going to get real, real, real practical. I mean to the point of leaving yourself notes. Walk in the Spirit today. When you rise up in the morning, declare with your help, O Lord, today. I'm not going to worry about tomorrow. You know know what a lot of us do? We reach out there into tomorrow. No, I don't know what I'm going to do tomorrow. No, you really don't. You don't know what's going to happen today that's going to mess up your tomorrow. Or you don't know what's going to happen today that's going to make your tomorrow better. You don't know. Worry is when we reach into the future and pull back into today what God did not mean for us to deal with today. Worry is the opposite of faith. Worry is fear. What I'm trying to get you to do and what I'm trying to learn to do in my own life is wake up every morning and say, Lord, help me today to walk in the Spirit. I'm not going to worry about tomorrow because there's nothing I can do about tomorrow. Amen? I'm not going to worry about yesterday because yesterday's gone and I can't go back and redo yesterday. But Lord, if you'll help me today, I'm going to walk in the Spirit. But I need you to help me. Now let me remind you of something you hear me say all the time. Every command of God is a what? Promise of God. So when God says, Pharaoh, walk in the Spirit, then he enables me to walk in the Spirit. Are y'all with me on that? Because I preach that all the time, and I'm not sure we get that. God will never command you to do something and then stand back to see if you can do it. He will command you, and then he will get right beside you. And he'll put his arm around you and pour into your life if you will let him everything you need to obey that command. You're not out there to obey the command on your own because, listen, you can't. You can't obey the Ten Commandments. You say, I've got the Ten Commandments down. I'm I'm obeying those. You can't obey the law in your flesh. He says, walk in the Spirit and you will not break the law. Walk in the Spirit. So we're calling on you to walk in the Spirit. Um, You guys know what post-it notes are? Let's see. Walk, W-N-I. Make sure I'm not spelling some bad word here. Walk in The Spirit, W-I-T-S. What if you got a bunch of Post-it notes, stuck them on the dashboard of your car, on the mirror uh, of your bathroom, and I know where you would see it a lot. How about the refrigerator door? Amen. Where it says W-I-T-S. Walk in the Spirit. That you would remind yourself, and all through the day, listen, let's just draw a little picture here. You get up in the morning, the first thing out of your mouth is, Lord, I want to walk in the Spirit today. I want to walk in the Spirit today. You say, oh, I like to pray in the Spirit. That's fine. But if you're praying in the Spirit and not walking in the Spirit, you know what 1 Corinthians 13 says? You're only making a noise. You're just making a noise. You've got to first walk in the Spirit. Then when there are manifestations of the Spirit in your life, they have impact and they have power. There has to be a life that backs up spiritual manifestations in the life. Is anybody hearing me here today? So you wake up every morning and you go, I want to walk in the Spirit today. But I can't do it. I don't have the ability to do it. Lord, help me. Help me. I know it's your will for my life because you said in Galatians 5 and 16, you commanded me to walk in the Spirit. So I know it's your will for my life. And Lord, if you will help me today, I will walk in the Spirit today. So I won't fulfill the lust of my flesh. I want to walk in the Spirit.
And then everywhere you go, you got those little yellow post-it notes. And people ask you what that is. What in the world is that? Oh, boy, is that, a, is that an opportunity to talk about Jesus? Is that an opportunity to witness? You can look at them and go, hey, since you asked, I'll tell you. And explain to them, even, even those who don't know Christ, they'll see that uh, uh, W-I-T-S, and they'll say, what in the world is that? You say, oh, it's just a reminder to walk in the Spirit of God today. See, it, it's an open door. What? Hey, let's get some T-shirts. Y'all with me? I'm having ideas up here. I'm talking about ideas I'm having up here. What if we made a website, W-I-T-S dot com? I already own the one, utabomb.com. So, <laughs> so what, what about that? Let's learn to walk in the Spirit, Bridge, Bridge Church. Let's learn to walk in the Spirit. Hey, you know what? That'll be better than any billboard. That'll be more powerful than any billboard that we pay monthly for. That'll be more powerful than any new worship center. That'll be more powerful than any ad in the newspaper. If the people of the bridge would walk in the spirit, people would notice and they would be drawn to him. That's good preaching right there. Amen. Make me a CD of this. <clears throat> if y'all gonna clap, let's go and clap now. Okay, or not. Okay. <laughs> I guess y'all were like, we're not. All right. <laughs> every Christian, every Christian, and we, we talked about this, every Christian um, possesses the Holy Spirit. Now, there are levels and there are, there are places in the Holy Spirit. The Bible talks about the Holy Spirit coming in us in the new birth. As a matter of fact, let's look at this verse in Romans. Go to that next slide, guys. Romans 8, 9, last part of verse 9. If anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. In other words, if the Holy Spirit isn't in you, then, then you're not even a Christian. You're not even a Christian. So it is the work of the Holy Spirit that convicts you of sin. It is the work of the Holy Spirit that saves you, that gives you life, that redeems you, that works that work of salvation in you. But there's also a filling of the Holy Spirit. There's also a baptism in the Holy Spirit. There is an immersion in the Holy Spirit. And you say, well, I got my own ideas about that. That's fine. But I want to get God's idea about that, don't you? Because I got to tell you, I was brought up to believe it was a certain thing. You were brought up to believe being filled with the Spirit or baptizing the Spirit was a certain thing. What we're going to look at before this series is over is what the Bible says about being filled with the Holy Spirit. What the Bible says about being baptized and controlled by the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit gave us life. If you're a Christian, the Holy Spirit dwells in you now. If you're a Christian, the Holy Spirit sustains, and this is important, not only does the Holy Spirit give us life, but he sustains that life and he increases the power of that life in us look what it says in first corinthians 6 19 through 20 and i'm not going to read all of that but the gist of that passage is we are the temple of the spirit of god please understand that this building of um, sheetrock and brick and mortar and metal and uh, carpet and all of that this isn't the temple of god you're not in the temple of god you say, oh, but when we get in that new building, that'll, no, no, no. See, you're the temple. You're the temple of God. Uh, we could uh, go away tonight. Somebody could drop a bomb on this place and wipe it out. And I uh, hope that doesn't happen. 
I hope our insurance is paid up, amen? And uh, I hope that doesn't happen, but that doesn't destroy the bridge because the bridge is not a building, the bridge is people. The bridge is people. We are the house of God. We are the temple of God. Can I just say this to you? Listen, you were designed, you were made, you were created to house God. God made you so he could live in you. Now, I love my kitty cats. Y'all love, who's got pets? You just love your pet. Amen. Somebody want us to have a bless the pet Sunday. And um, we will, but I'll just bless them from right here. You can leave them at the house. Now listen, I love my kitty cats, man. Uh, you know what I love about animals is they love you uh, no matter what you look like. And I'm scary in the morning. You think I'm scary now. Uh, um, I'm real scary in the morning. And my kitty cat still loves me. And I'll be sitting, uh, you know, in, in, the, in the king's chair. How many men have a king's chair at their house? I'll be sitting in the king's chair, and I'll be pecking on the computer and uh, uh, just, you know, uh, in my time with the Lord. And my little kitty cat will come and get right between me and the arm of the chair, and he'll just sit right there. But see, the reason I talk about all that is just simply to tell you that as precious as they are and as much as we love them, and this may break some of your hearts, but when they die, when our pets die, they're just gone because they don't have a soul. You see, man, man is the only creation of God that God lives in, that God dwells in. You were made for God to live in you. So if God doesn't live in you this morning, if you haven't invited him to live in you and you haven't received him as your personal savior, then you don't even have to tell me what your life is like, I know. There's a lack of fulfillment, there's a lack of purpose, there's something missing. And what's missing is the presence of God in your life. You are the temple of God and the people said, Amen. Being, being the temple of God, though, is not necessarily the same as walking in the Spirit. Being the temple of the Spirit and having the Spirit in us by the new birth doesn't mean we're walking in the Spirit. Walking in the Spirit is an HNL, a whole nother level of submission to the Holy Spirit. Walking in the Spirit means, listen carefully, that you take every step of your life consistent in obedience to the Holy Spirit. Now don't misunderstand me. I'm not calling on you for perfection today. Here's what I'm calling on you for because you're never going to be perfect. You're never going to be perfect. Matter of fact, if you think you are perfect, it just shows you're not. It's like I tell people who say, I'm going to find me a perfect church. That's fine. Don't join it though. You'll mess it up. <laughs> Amen. No perfect church, no perfect pastor, no perfect system. Um, we're all down here depending on God. But as you wake up every morning, you say, Lord, help me walk in the Spirit. Now, sometimes I walk in the Spirit, but sometimes I step out of bounds. And when I step out of bounds, the Holy Spirit's right there to blow the whistle and go, you're out of bounds. He's like a referee. He's like an umpire. And you're going to hear that whistle. But you know what I do believe? I believe that as you wake up every morning and dedicate yourself to the Word of God and dedicate yourself to prayer, and you dedicate yourself to walking in the Holy Spirit, I believe you'll hear that whistle less and less in your life. There'll never come a day you don't hear the whistle. You'll hear the whistle, 
But I believe you can grow and become more and more Christ-like in your life and hear that whistle blow on you less and less. And the people said, bring it, Jesus. Amen. So walking in the Spirit means that, that you set yourself to take every step of your life. Remember now, we're walking here. We're walking. And it says, uh, uh, he's teaching us here to live consistently to live in obedience to the Holy Spirit. And the only way we can live in obedience to the Holy Spirit is as he, our teacher, provides knowledge of the word. But you've got to read the word. He isn't going to take the word of God and put it in you. You've got you to study. You've got to read. How many of you know what you input is what's going to come out of you? Um, somebody said that um, when you're jostled, when your life is shaken, Whatever's in you is going to spill out. And so if we're full of God, then even in our darkest hour, even in our greatest storm, the joy of the Lord will spill out of us even in those times if we're filled with him. So he'll show us his will, his direction. And here's the wonderful thing. I've already said it, but I want to reiterate it again. He will give you the power to obey him. He will give you the power to obey him. The Christian life is described as a walk day by day, step by step. Let's look at a little walking theology here. You guys ready? Look up on the screen and let's look at some walking theology because not only does he tell us to walk in the spirit, but he tells us in a lot of places in the Bible to walk, that this Christian life is a walk. Now, if you don't want to try to write all this down, if you'll email me and send me $10, I will give you, no, nah, if you'll email me, I'll send you the very notes I'm preaching from today. So just chill and, and, and let's get this. He says in Ephesians that we're to walk in what? Humility. Now, do you all know that's hard for us? That's hard for us. Even some of you who are humble, you're proud of it. <laughs> so that messes up your humble. Um, so so if he, have you met somebody like that? Don't point. You've met people who are humble and proud of it? Okay, <laughs> Ephesians 4, 2 and 3, walk in humility. Now, can I ask you a question? Are you able to do that apart from God? No, because what is our nature? Pride, prideful. Our nature isn't humble. Our nature's pride. So if we're gonna walk in humility, we gotta walk in the spirit because the spirit gives us power over the Flesh and the flesh is what makes us walk in pride and it is the spirit that makes us walk in humility. So see, he's commanding you right there to walk in humility, knowing the whole time he's telling you to walk in humility, you can't. You can't. So you say, Pastor, God's calling me to do something I can't do. Absolutely. Everything God's called any of us to do, we can't do. We need him. It is not by our might. It is not by our power, but it is by his spirit, says the Lord. So how do we walk in humility? We walk in the spirit. And then it says we're to walk in what? I know y'all, I know y'all can't do that one. We don't have the ability to walk in purity. We have thoughts of revenge and we have thoughts of, of, of um, anger. We have thoughts of, uh, I've seen some of y'all drive. There I am just peacefully going down the road in the presence of the Lord and y'all come flying by me. And you know what the truth is, don't you? 
I could have fooled y'all when I first came to be the pastor, but I've been here way too long to fool you now. So we walk in purity. I can't live pure. I can't live as, I can't live victoriously over sin. I can't live um, not satisfying what Pharaoh wants. But if the Holy Spirit dominates my life, if the Holy Spirit rules, if the Holy Spirit governs my life, then I can walk more in purity with each day as I grow in my relationship with him. Am I making any sense this morning? Walk in purity. See, the reason some of you are frustrated is you're trying to be humble on your power. This is what Paul told the Galatians. He said, you started in the flesh, you started in the spirit, why are you now depending on the flesh? It's daily, daily. It's really, it's really not just daily, it's moment by moment. As a matter of fact, all through the day, you need to be whispering to the Lord, I don't know what's about to happen, God. If something happens I'm not expecting, help me walk in the spirit when that thing happens. Help me walk in the spirit. Don't let me react in the flesh. Let me react in the spirit. Amen? Y'all with me? Walk in purity. Now, look at the third one. Walk in what? Now, we live in a pretty bad economy right now, don't we? There's some stuff you used to have that you can't have anymore. There's some stuff that you used to be able to spend money on you can't spend money on anymore, maybe. Not all of you, but a lot of us are feeling this I don't know about you, but um, I decided the other night I wanted, to, I wanted to grill a steak. Does that ever come on? Does that spirit ever come on anybody here? I, I decided I wanted to grill a steak. Well, guys, I remember just two or three years ago that if you, uh, if you caught it just right, you could get a good ribeye steak for $3.99 a pound, $4.99 a pound. I want to declare into the house of God today that that is no longer the case. As a matter of fact, I went and bought steaks for me and my family, and I rented an armor truck to get it to the house because I was afraid somebody would try to steal it from us. Now, if you're new to the church, that was a joke right there. That was a joke. That's not true. So, so there's some things that Farrell, listen carefully to me. There's some things that Farrell needs to be contented with that maybe I used to have more of that I can't have now, so that's gonna frustrate me, that's gonna, that's gonna distract me, that maybe even make, might make me angry inside unless the Holy Spirit comes and gives me a contentment to be satisfied with what God's blessed me with. Some of you can't be happy because the neighbor down the road has something you don't have. Some of you are killing yourself, working way too many hours, and you're neglecting your children, and you're neglecting your family, and you're neglecting your spiritual life because you can't be, number three, content. Somebody asked, um, uh, what's that guy that built that big airplane, and he was rich? What? Howard Hughes. Somebody asked Howard Hughes one time. I knew. I just want to see if y'all knew. Howard Hughes. Howard Hughes, they asked him, how much is enough? How much money is enough? He said, a little more, a little more. See, that's, that's a lack of what? Number three, a lack of contentment. So we have to pray. Some of you are in debt way too much because uh, you, get a, you get a buzz from buying stuff you don't need. How long does that buzz last? Not too long. 
the reality sets in, you know. And, and so we need to say, God, help me to be what? Content. Content. You need to be content. You say, well, I drive an old car and so-and-so, they go. Yeah, but you don't know. So-and-so's down there living in their big house and driving their big car, and they can't even go to McDonald's and get an ice cream. I don't want to live like that. Amen? I don't want to live like that. I, I'll trade for the, for the I, I'll accept a, a lower level so I can be content and have some freedom in my life. Be able to lay my head down on the pillow at night and math figures not going through my head wondering how in the world I'm going to have to pay the bill at the end of the month. I'm preaching now. Contentment. Everybody say, dear Lord, help me to be content with what you've given me. And when you want to give me more, I'm ready to receive it. Amen? Amen. Amen. But there come seasons, yes, there comes times in our life when we just need to say, you know what? This is a time in my life when I've got I've to settle for a lower level of material things and God can give me, by the Holy Spirit, uh, the ability to be happy with less and uh, happy when he wants to bless me with more. How many of y'all know money's not a sin? Amen. It, it's hard to say, but it's not a sin. Matter of fact, I hope God will bless you and you'll give like you ought to. Amen. So, so money's not a sin. Let me, let me, contrary to what a lot of things we're hearing today, uh, success is not a sin. Contrary to a lot of things, guys, I know y'all, is this working? Contrary to a lot of things that are being said today, success is not a sin. Thank God for those who are blessed financially so they can bless the work of God. So contentment. And then he says, uh, we're to walk in faith. Sometimes my faith is low. But the Holy Spirit can help us have more faith. You remember in the Bible, he said, Lord, help our what? Unbelief. Help us believe. Help us trust you. Look at the next one, walk in good works. Now, the reason we need the Holy Spirit on that one is because the good works we want to do are to ourself. <laughs> yeah, I love me. And, uh, uh, you know, when you don't know God, it's all about you. It's all about you. But when you know God and you walk in the Spirit, it becomes less about you and more about others. But there's an amazing thing that happens when you make it less about you and more about others. Guess who gets blessed? You. You say, I just don't get that. You know why you don't get that? Because that is opposite of what the world is telling you. All of God's systems are opposite of what you hear 24-7 on the news and in your house. And if, you, if you're not listening to Christian uh, stuff, and I got to tell you, there's a whole lot of Christian stuff I don't want you listening to. There's some wacky stuff going on out there in the name of God. Amen? Amen. Ain't many people right like us. So if I want to walk in good works and if I want to care more about others than I care about myself, I can't do that on my own because my nature says love me first. But the Holy Spirit says love others first and if you'll love others first, I'll pour into your life. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? Look at the next one. Walk differently than the unconverted. Mm. Somebody said... Um, the world and the church have gotten so similar you can't tell when you go out of one and into the other. The Bible's calling on us right there to look different, act different, talk different, be different. 
but we're not able to do that apart from the Holy Spirit. Go to the next slide. 2 Thessalonians 3, 6, walk separated. That doesn't mean isolationist. Let me tell you something I hate. Spiritual elitism. I, I am spiritually elite. I am holier than thou. See, it's so easy to go into extremes. I, I know people who, boy, when they served the devil, they served him with all their heart. And then when they came to God, they were kind of balanced for a little while, and then they got way more spiritual than the rest of us. And no church could feed them. And no pastor was spiritual enough. Isn't it amazing that God would place a person in a community, but no church in that community is spiritual enough to minister to them. Here's my reaction to those people. Okay. Amen. I'm telling you. Spiritual elitism. My family's holier than everybody else's. I'm holier than everybody else. Nobody else knows how to do things like I do. Nobody else knows the Bible like I do. This whole spiritual elitism is sickening. I'll tell you what it is. It's Phariseeism. It's Phariseeism. We're to walk separated, but that doesn't mean we isolate ourselves from the world. Listen, we're to infiltrate the world. We're to infiltrate the world, walk separated. But I can't walk separated because I have to have the Holy Spirit walk in love. Walk in love. Some people are hard to love. Do you know people who are hard to love? Maybe you are one. Maybe sometimes I am one. I can't imagine it, but it could be. Hard to love. Some of y'all are out there going, I can imagine it. Separated, walk in love, walk in the light. Because it isn't my desire to walk in the light. It's my desire in my human nature to walk in the what? Darkness. But God says, with my help, you can walk in the light. With my help, you can walk in wisdom. Now, that's not talking about Duke University wisdom. That's not talking about NC State wisdom. Definitely not talking about Tar Heel wisdom. <laughs> I love y'all. I love you. It's talking about heavenly wisdom. Heavenly wisdom. You can have so many degrees, you look like a thermometer, but you're not going to have heavenly wisdom until you get on your face and let God give it to you. Walk in truth. You can't walk in truth. You don't even have a desire in you to walk in truth. But the Holy Spirit will enable you. You got that? Amen? So this is the key to the triumphant life, this walking in the Spirit. It is the key to the victorious life. It is the key to a life that conquers sin. It is the key to overcoming the flesh that wars against the Spirit. We live in a time when we need to be careful. There are some things being said from pulpits and, and other um, places of um, mass communication. And uh, it says five steps to this and six steps to that. And I've had sermon titles that, that had that in it. Five steps to this, six steps to this. I'm going to be careful about that because I don't want you to think that there's some magic formula to living the Christian life. There's one thing. Walk in the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. Uh, seven Habits of Highly Effective People. I'm not against that book. 
But I'm just saying to you today that if you want to live the triumphant life, the victorious life, there's only one. There's only one thing you have to do. Walk in the Spirit and you will live the triumphant life. You will live the victorious life. We hear a time of positive confession and positive words and name it, claim it and all kind of formulas as if somehow man has the power in his own humanity to live a triumphant life. You cannot. You cannot. You say, well, I I read self-help books and I I read these books and they tell me how to get rich. But what if you gain the whole world and lose your soul? Is it worth it? Get into the Word of God. Walk in the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. You say, but if I walk in the Spirit, God will deprive me. Listen, you don't even know riches until you walk in the Spirit of the living God. It is then that you know true riches. Let me close with this. The conflict. The conflict is in verses 17 and 18. The command is in verse 16, walk in the Spirit. But when you begin to walk in the Spirit, you're going to run headlong into the enemy. Y'all ready for that? Like the songwriter, you ready for this? Because you're about to run into the enemy. Look what it says. For the, f- for the flesh lusts against the spirit. It wars. How many of us have flesh in us? All of us. Listen, you will always have that battle in you. That humanity will always be in you until you walk into the gates of heaven. You say, yes, but I believe in sanctification. I do too, but it isn't sanctification that's going to set you free from the flesh. It is glorification. When you walk into heaven, you will have no more battles with your humanity. But as long as you live on this earth, you will battle your humanity. No matter how deep you get in God, no matter how intimate you become with God, you will always battle. Now I want you to hear me. Sometimes you will lose that battle. And when you lose that battle, you have to get up Brush yourself off, reach up for the hand of Jesus and let him pull you back on that road of walking in the Spirit. Get over that stumbling. You're gonna stumble. No matter how athletic you are, no matter how um, um, graceful you are in your life, no matter how young you are, you're gonna stumble, you're gonna fall. I mean physically, You're going to fall from time to time. You're going to kick your toe. You're going to fall down. But what do you do? Do you stay down there? No. In the power of the Lord, you get back up and get back into that life of walking in the Spirit. You need to stop beating yourself up. We all fall. We all stumble. We all mess up. The key is turning back to God, looking Him full into the face and saying, God, I stumbled because I took my eyes off you. Lift me back up, O Lord. Get me back on that path of walking walking in the Spirit, but the flesh will always be with you. The flesh will always be with you. As a matter of fact, Paul, y'all think Paul's a pretty good Christian? You're not sure? <laughs> Paul in the Bible, not Paul of the Beatles. Paul in the Bible. <laughs> Paul in the Bible. You think he's a pretty good Christian? Yeah. Gee whiz, if we don't know that, we got to start over. But Paul said, the thing that I want to do for God, I I don't do it. And the thing that I don't want to do against God, I end up. How many of y'all know if Paul had a problem, we probably going to have one? If 
For the flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. This is a battle where? Outside? No. It's a battle inside you. See, we like to blame the devil for everything. The devil. I just tell you, man, I was walking in victory and the devil just came and took me over. No, he did not. Your flesh took you over. You are your biggest problem. I'm my biggest problem. My biggest problem is not Satan. My biggest problem is my own lustful desires. Y'all look real holy right now. That's your biggest problem. It's like the you know, Flip Wilson theology. What, what's Flip Wilson theology? Y'all remember Flip Wilson? The devil made me do it. Exactly. How many of y'all remember Flip Wilson? Got some old people here. Um, y'all heard the story I've told you before about the lady and the man who made the deal that they wouldn't uh, spend more than $25 without talking to each other. He comes home from work one day and there's a dress laying on the bed, tag still on it, $219. How many of you ladies could buy about four dresses for that right there? Amen. Walmart. And, um, and he said, honey, what in the world? She started crying. She said, the devil. She said, I was in the store. I saw it. I just tried it on. I was going to put it right back, and the devil just made me buy it. He said, well, why didn't you tell the devil to get behind you? She said, I did, and he said, it looked good back there, too. <laughs> we want to blame the devil for everything. We want to blame the devil for everything. Listen to me. You know what the devil does? He plays off your lustful desires. If you'll learn to walk in the Spirit, you can put the devil under your feet. If you'll learn to walk in the Spirit, you can resist him in Jesus' name, and the Bible says he will flee from you, but you've got to walk in the Spirit. See, we read that verse, resist the devil and he'll flee. We, we forget the first part, submit yourself therefore to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. <clears throat> Look at Galatians 2.20. See, you have to be crucified. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live not, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. That's, that sin still remains. Let me, let me just uh, give you this last verse. Put, put the last slide up there, guys. Look what Paul says. I mean, you talk about a preacher getting real. Don't you like it when preachers get real? Don't you like it when they quit acting like they're all holy, holy, and got everything together in their life and uh, just kind of get real with you? That's how Paul was. Paul was just real, man. Paul said, I want you guys to know that I press on. Now, now you don't have to press unless something is what? Pushing back. The Christian life, you got to press. You got to lean into this thing because when you decided to follow Jesus, you started going against the current. The current of this world system isn't toward God. The current of this world system isn't toward heaven. The current of this world system is toward hell. So when you decide to follow Jesus and you decide to walk in the Spirit, you've got to do what? Look at those first three words there. Say it with me. I. You've got to press. That's why the Christian life, and I'm not trying to make the Christian life negative today. It's not. 
I'd serve Jesus Christ if there were no heaven or no hell. I would serve him because I just like serving God right now in this life. Being a Christian is not bad medicine you have to take to get to heaven. People treat it like that, though. You know, I'm going to give my heart to Jesus and you know, tie a knot in the rope and hold on. He said, I want to give you victory in this life. I want to give you abundant life. I want to give you triumphant life. Now, now, if you're living that kind of Christian life where you got to tie a knot in the end of the rope every day and just hang on by your fingernails, something's, up, something's wrong with that. God doesn't want you living like that. Paul said, but I press on. And the reason I press on is because I want to possess that perfection. I want to possess it. That glorification, that glorification. I want to possess that perfection for which uh, Christ Jesus first possessed me. And then he says, no, dear brothers and sisters, look at, the, look at the honesty, look at the transparency. I've not achieved it. Don't you love that? Make you feel better about yourself a little bit today? See, you thought Paul had achieved it. He said, I haven't achieved it. He said, I'm pressing on for it, but I, I don't have it. He said, but I focus. There's the key. Right there's the key, guys. When I talk about that little post-it note and I talk about whispering those prayers all day long and I talk about getting up in the morning and saying, I'm going to walk in the Spirit today, that's, that helps you focus on a, on a life that walks in the Spirit. He says, I focus. And, and really what Paul meant there was I use post-it notes. <laughs> Paul said, I focus on this one thing. Go to the next one forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. Verse 14, I press on, there it is again, telling us it's a battle, telling us it's a struggle, telling us we're going against the current. Every morning we wake up, we're going against the current. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. See, you can't come up here and have an experience that's going to set you for the rest of your life. You've got to get, and we'll pray, and you can have awesome experiences up here, but you've got to get up every morning and declare, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord today. And you lay your head down on your pillow at night and you rise up the next morning and say again, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord today in the power of his spirit. Father, thank you for the word today. Thank you for the truth of the gospel. Thank you for making it so clear, so plain for us. As I studied this and prepared I saw the reasons for my own failures. I saw the reasons for my own inconsistencies. I'm not focused sometimes. I'm not focused sometimes. I'm not, I'm not declaring that I'm going to follow you in the Spirit. On certain days, sometimes I get up and the first thing on my mind is a, is a problem I'm facing in the church or maybe a personal problem I'm facing in my family or I don't always get up with you on my mind, Lord. Help me to wake up every morning and say, by the help of God, I will walk in the Spirit today. And if I lose my focus and stumble, I will reach up 
and find a hand reaching down to pull me and help me and get me back on the path where I'm walking in the Spirit. Help me be like you, Lord. Sanctify me. I know you've forgiven me of my sins, but God, I pray for sanctification that you will bring into subjection the desires of my flesh. God, that you will teach me what it means to walk in the Spirit day by day, step by step. I pray it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. We're going to uh, be praying up here in the altar this morning. The team is coming in a little while. They're going to pray. But maybe this message touched your heart today. Maybe this message challenged your heart. We want to pray over you that you'll be able to walk in the Spirit. Listen to me. It's a decision. You just decide. I am sick and tired of walking with one foot in the world system and one foot in the church, in the Lord, I'm going to put both feet to walk for him. Stop playing footsie with Jesus and wrap your arms around him and let him be Lord of your life. And the people said, amen. Amen. God bless you. I want to remind our guests, pick up your gift at the little tent outside. We love you. God bless you guys. Thanks for coming.